chapter 1, verse 1. There it is. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, uh, Jesus our Lord. According as he, his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaining unto life and godliness. Through knowledge of him that hath called you to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto these exceedingly great and precious promises that by these they might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brother kindliness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall never be barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. That's a good scripture, isn't it? Praise God. That's a good scripture. Amen. And uh, I'm excited about delving into it today. Lord, we love you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Touch, Lord, and to move and to be with me. Help me, dear Lord, as I minister your word to your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's so good to talk to people that love Jesus today. I'm just excited about that. Praise God. We become mature Christians as we develop the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love or charity. Charity and love is the same. Praise God. What is it that empowers a Christian to become an effective fruit believer? Well, it's an easy answer. It's not complex. It's simply abiding in Jesus Christ. Simply abiding in Him. Praise God. Amen. If you're abiding in Him, the only fruitful Christian is the one who abides or hangs in there with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Amen. Praise God. you got to hang on to the Lord. And I'm just going to let it out real early today. Praise God. There are times in my life when I struggle, and I am really struggling with things, and I just say, I stop, and I just shut my eyes, and I say, all I know, Lord, is that I love you. And when I do that, praise God, it gets me where I need to go. I'm not going to let go of your hand, God. I'm not going to push you away. I'm not going to turn on you, Lord. I'm going to hold on you because I want to be a thriving Christian. Praise God. A thriving in the Christian life results from simply being and continuing to be connected to the Lord. 
Praise God. I wrote down four things as a pastor in 30 years that I have learned that Satan will use to disconnect us from God. Praise God. The first one is to be angry with what you're going through. To be angry with God because of what you're going through. To not understand why am I going through this. And I'll just be honest with every one of us in here today. As Americans living in a society that we're living in. And in the time period we're living in. We really don't have anything to gripe about. We're not living through a depression. We're not living through, praise God, poverty. We're not living through war. We're not living through countries coming in and just wiping us off the map. We're not living in the period of time where, uh, as a Christian, you have to hide your Christianity and only share it with someone you can trust. And in that, praise God, most of the time you'll die. You're not living in a period of time when one nation thinks that because you're born as another nation, praise God, that you need to be, uh, you know, killed. We've got it good. But even in that, in our own little world sometimes, we can only see what we're going through. Amen. And it's like a, a, a quarter. I told someone one time, I said, this quarter is bigger than the sun. And they said, no, it's not bigger than the sun. I said, yes, it is. And they said, no, it ain't. I said, yes, it is. And I know it ain't. We got to argue, and I wanted them up there. And I said to them, I said, sure it is. Let me show you. And I said, I can block out the sun. It's got to be bigger. Well, that's silly, pastor. It's because that quarter's closest to your eye. I said, yes. And it's because your situation is closest to you is what makes you think it's bigger than God. Praise God. Amen. But being angry with God because of what you've got to go through. Amen. Praise God. And to make, for the devil to make you question, amen, your life. I mean, many of times as a pastor, when things did not go well, I would say, maybe I shouldn't be in this Liverpool. Maybe I should have went someone at warehouse. I've got friends that are pastors that have been here for a few years, here for a few years, here for a few years, there for a few years, constantly trying to figure out where can I succeed? Where can I do well? Where can I, because let's face it, every one of us want to do well where we're at, right? We want to be successful in whatever we're doing. You don't want to live life and die, praise God. And all your success can be written between the dates that you were born and the dates you died. You want to be, and, and you might say, well, you've got to give that to Christ. Yeah, you do, but you want to be able to give Christ something. And so you say, well, maybe I'm not, see, the devil will unravel you. He'll, he'll undermine you in any ways he can. He said to Jesus, Did, if thou art the Son of God, He said to Eve, did God really say that you shouldn't eat the fruit of the midst of the garden? And so he'll undermine you and cause you to wonder where you are. And he'll picture, he'll make you picture your God as some big ruler up there 
who every time you don't do what he wants you to do, he goes, you know, I'm not God, but I want to tell you something. If I was God, I would look down at people and I'd say, you know what? They do enough damage to themselves. I don't have to act. I don't have to add to their calamities. God doesn't have to add to our calamities. God sets up a principle. He says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And then we do it and we pay the price. And God's sitting back saying, I made the rules. I made the situations. Praise God. Third of all, if the Satan can get you too busy in the world. Do you hear me today? I'm going to preach it. Everybody say, preach it. Come on, say it like you mean it. Preach it. All right, I'm going to preach it. Thank you. If the devil can make you do so much on Saturday, you're too tired to go to church on Sunday. Let me tell you something. You have, I think it's 168 hours in a week. It's like a pie. The Bible says, give God the first. You cut out that Wednesday night. You cut out that Sunday morning. You cut out that Sunday night. We're talking 160 hours, 68 hours a week that you have. And if you say four hours for each church, that's four, eight, and 12. That's only, and that's driving time, dressing time, and every time. And that means you only have uh, uh, 12 hours out of 168. And that's if you have three services a week. Some churches only have two services a week. Praise God. Amen. And isn't it amazing, church, be honest with me, because the same way with me. Isn't it amazing how, amen, when church time comes, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've gone home on Wednesday and said to Christy at the dinner table, you know, if, boy, I'd like to just go take a nap. But God will make you too busy, or Satan will make you too busy in the daytime. And what will that do? That will draw you away from God. Praise God. And then fourth, but not last, just losing interest in the things of God. You're going to lose interest. So let's talk about being mature Christians. Praise God. Before we can even produce spiritual fruit, they must experience, first of all, a spiritual birth. We've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Praise God. Before we can introduce spiritual fruit. Praise God. Only healthy, mature fruit trees can actually bring fruit. Amen. And as Christians, we have that opportunity. We have that responsibility. Praise God. But we've got to realize that, first of all, salvation is a gift from God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6 and 23. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, but it is a gift from God. Praise God. Then what we need to do is we need to learn to grow in grace. Praise God. 
You know, God's got a lot more grace than he does anything else. Amen. For those who want to live for the Lord, for those of us that are trying, God's got a tremendous amount of grace. He wants to see you do well. He'll do everything he can to make you do well. Praise God. In our march towards full Christianity and maturity, Peter maintains seven specific events believers should follow. Praise God. You know, it isn't our works that save us, but our effort will bring forth fruits. Praise God. Because our works, I I just say it real simply. Your works ain't going to keep you in heaven or get you in heaven. But your works will cause you to go to hell. You can't give your works to the Lord and say, this is why I need to be saved. Because there's good people out there. You ready for this? This is a good one. There are sometimes better moral people in the world than in the church. Praise God. I'm sorry there is. Amen. But it's not your good works that it's going to get you saved. It is the forgiveness power of the Holy Ghost that will get you saved. So somebody that's in the church that's not doing right morally may go to heaven if they get forgiveness and do it right. And somebody, amen, who is a good man or a good woman in the world will face unsalvation because they have not got it through Christ. To get through the door, you've got to go through Christ. To get to heaven, you've got to go through Christ. Praise God. So, if you say, well, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty wicked person, praise the Lord. That's fine. You can still go to heaven. Praise God. If you get right with the Lord and get saved. It says, for by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Praise God. Notice the progression of Paul's words. Praise God. It says... To the believers, it says we are saved by God's grace through faith. You know, it goes back to what I said. Satan wants to undermine your faith. He wants to undermine your faith. He wants to say, praise God, you're too busy to go to church. He wants to say, praise the Lord, if God really loved you, he wouldn't be putting you through this. Praise God. He, he would say things like, if, it, you know, God's trying to do something to you, and that's why he's doing this. He'll undermine you. He'll undermine you. But you know what? Everybody hear me today? Because we're under attack. I told Mark before I left the sound room. I said, I want to tell you something. The devil's really fighting us. But if you've just got to shut your mind before you topple over and just say, I just love you, Jesus. I'm not going to let go of your hand. I'm not going to walk away from you. 
I'm not going to put out the only thing that I need. I need you, Jesus. I just love you, Jesus. Sometimes it comes in on me like a flood. Amen. We're all struggling with our situations. I don't want to call them demons because most of them is our own character. Praise God. The biggest person I have to struggle with is nobody in my church. I wish I... I wish I personally had the problems that I have dealing with my church. I, it, my biggest problem is myself. My infurities and my doubts and my fears. But if you just have to stop and say, God, I just love you. I just love you. God, oh, I, I, this is another thing I say to him. I'm just being real open today. Praise God. Amen. I just, I, another thing I say to him, Lord, whatever you want. Because I'm going to tell you something. And, I, 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 and we've got big wheels. Do you hear me today? We've got big wheels. We've got a wheel. It's the way we want it done. And when it's not done the way we want it done, we get angry with God. Praise God. We've got big wheels. And when it doesn't go our way, we get angry with God. And when it doesn't happen like we think it should happen, we get angry with God. We got big wheels, and our wheels get us into trouble. And you need to say to the Lord, you need to say, Lord, whatever you want, that's all right. There's times I do things that causes my own problems. That's one thing. And there's times when problems just come that I have not caused. God knew it was coming. God said he won't put more on us than we can bear. And I always tease and I say, yeah, that's true. But sometimes I put more on myself than I can bear. When you can't do something, tell somebody you can't do it. Don't say you can do it and then wish you didn't. Praise God. I'm going to be honest with you. Most people are glad when you're honest with them. Praise God. But the first one was virtue. Virtue. Praise God. They're to add to their faith virtue. What is virtue? Virtue has to do with moral goodness. Moral goodness or excellence. Amen. As exhibited in modesty and purity. Praise God. Virtue. I want to be good. I want to do right. I want to be honest. I want to be upfront. I want to be faithful. I want to be pure before God. Praise God. I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. That is purity. Add to your faith virtue. In other words, praise God, go after holiness. The Bible says, without holiness, what? No man shall see the Lord. That's got a double meaning. It means see him now and it means see him later. Praise God. So you add to your faith virtue. You see, in Peter's lifetime... There was moral depravity, moral, right, I'll get it if you just give me a minute, depravity, 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 praise God, praise God. All right, it was all too common in their wild cultures and in the holy lands, praise God, amen. He had problems, you know, we struggle today with, America, 
But I want to tell you something. There are some countries that were much, much, much worse than America. You know that, Jason. You study a lot. Praise God. For example, Roman, the Roman cultures devoted themselves to gratification. Whatever, whatever. Gratify. Just gratify me. Me, 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 me. Sexual immorality was just horrible. Praise God. But by the Holy Ghost, we can live successfully. However, God will not force his people to, he won't force you to live a moral life. God will not force you. And this pastor is not going to force you either. Praise God. You live right. Guess what? I'm going to love you. You live wrong. Guess what? I'm going to love you. No matter what. Praise God. That's between you and God. You know, when people fall, it's much easier when their brothers and sisters are kind to them. I have learned, if you judge, you will open the door for it to come upon you. God doesn't send it on you. You open the door. If you judge somebody in their situation, praise God, you open the door for that same situation to come to you. Praise God. And I think the best thing we can do is be kind and understanding and loving and knowing that even though they are not going through what I'm going through, I'm going through things that's just as worse as that. Praise God. Amen. I'm going through, you know, a situation that's just as worse as that. Praise God. God's not going to force you to live moral. He still believes that individuals have a free will. Praise God. And they, we must choose to live that. But to add to virtue, knowledge. Peter went on to add knowledge. You see, Living for God and loving God and, and walking with Him is great. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Morals are wonderful. Amen. But moral excellence is good and it's necessary, but without the knowledge, it becomes only a human discipline. Praise God. Only a, a human discipline. You're only disciplining yourself and living. Amen. Praise God. A human type Life. Praise God. You, you, you're living for God, but you're not living for God according to knowledge. Paul said you're walking with God, but you're not living with God according to knowledge. You've got to know why you're walking with the Lord. You know, sometimes we can get it down so right and so good that all of a sudden we start taking credit for the goodness that we are. We start saying, it's me that's good. I got it right. I'm doing good. And it becomes our righteousness and not God's righteousness. That's why Peter here says, you got to take it with knowledge. you got to understand, praise God, that we live a good moral life, but we have to understand, hey man, that it is not us that live it, but it's him that's living it through us. Because if that's the case, we lose the power, and before you know it, we're not living it anymore. Praise God. Also, being a good moral individual will not on its own bring salvation. 
My goodness is not what's going to bring my, my good moral living. You see, some moral people will be lost eternity because they, they fail to receive God's gift of redemption. And individuals cannot experience salvation through or on the basis of their own good works. That word knowledge there is knowing in the Greek. It's the word gnostos or knowing. Praise God. And then on top of that, he adds temperance. Temperance. No uh, knowledge of God and his word is essential. We've got to have the knowledge of God and Praise God. It's essential. But only knowing the word of God will not save a person or cause spiritual growth within an individual. And, and, and I, I got a wise tip one day, which was good. Someone said to me, they said, you know, it's one thing to know God in your mind. It's another to know him in your heart. Some people can really know the Word of God. I've got people who can just spit out Scriptures. Some can talk Scriptures and know Scriptures and run Scriptures just like better than I can. Better than most Christians can. They know it with their mind, but it's never really gotten into their heart. The Bible says that with the mouth and the heart speaketh. A person can come up and get saved and do it with their mind and their mouth and not mean it. You can tell, you can be indicted for murder and be put, praise God, on trial. And they ask you, did you kill them? And you killed them. But you could say, no, I didn't kill them because it's coming with your mind and your mouth. But if they put you on a lie detector test sometimes it will tell them differently because your heart is down there saying, yes, you did. You see, God doesn't want you to live for him with just your mind. He wants you to live for him with just with your heart. Let me ask you guys something. If you if you have a mate, that's great. Or if you're married, that's great. If you don't, that's fine. The question is, if you did, if you don't, wouldn't you want that mate to love you because... They wanted to or because they had to. Praise God. You see, amen. We got to have the wisdom. We got to have the knowledge. Amen. And we got to know why we're living for the Lord. We got to be right. Praise the Lord. And then next he uses the word temperance. Knowledge of God and his word is essential, but only knowing the word of God Praise God, will not save a person or cause spiritual growth with an individual. Amen. A person must submit to the word. Praise God. Embrace its truths and obey its precepts. Praise God. The essential idea of the word temperance has to do with self-control. This is good. I might have a little fun here today, okay? Get control yourself, okay? Get control of yourself. I wish I had a mirror. Get control of yourself. That's the problem with the world today. They're out of control. What makes them go in with a gun and start shooting up things? They're out of control. Get control of yourself. 
You can get control of yourself. The most successful people in life, praise God, amen, are people who know how to get control of themselves. They do not allow their flesh to dictate who they are. They've got a brain. Yesterday, we went up to Justin's, and we had a big pool party. We had a lot of fun, everything else. I got home at 6, and guess what? I didn't want to study. I wanted to watch something on the YouTube. I didn't want to study. I study until the Holy Ghost says, you're ready. I didn't want to do that. That was going to take the rest of my evening. You all were just enjoying yourself. And I'm locked into studying. But guess what? I said, I'm going to study. And I studied. You have to tell yourself, you're not going to say that. And don't say it. You have to tell yourself, I'm not going to go there. And don't do it. You have to tell yourself, I'm not letting the devil tell me that. And don't do it. Just turn around and walk away. I'm not going to fight with that guy. I'm not going to chase him down. I'm not going to cuss him out. I'm not going to have road rage. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Praise God. I'm not going to do it. I've got self-control. He said, add to your temperance. Praise God. Or I'm sorry, add to your knowledge. Temperance. That's self-control. Be in control yourself. And as Christians, we need to do that. I'm telling you, you don't have to sin. Praise God. You don't have to do that. There have been times that I have been, I've let go. I, I, I have lost it. Every once in a while, I get caught off guard and I lose it. Praise God. I was in a situation one day where this guy kept edging me on. I put my truck in a place where it was in front of an entryway. They were closed, and it was kind of blocking an entryway, and he could still get in. He just had to go around my truck, and he was going to his place of business, and he went around, and I said to him, I'm sorry. I'll move the truck before you open. Well, you should have never put it there. And he said some things he should have, you know, kind of berated me a little bit. And I just had enough. I come down. I walked up to him and I said, I said something like, I told you I'm sorry. What do you want to do about it? <laughs> and he backed down. I'm sorry. Your pastor, you know, you might want to take a vote next week. But praise the Lord. I do have, I do lose it. We all lose it. We all do things we shouldn't do, say things we shouldn't say. Praise God. That's why I'm pastors, because I'm just like you. We do, do right, right? But we need to get back up on it and say, okay. I called the owner of the building, and I said, I made a mistake. What would you do, George? And I told her what I did. I, she said, well, I'm just shocked that that hasn't happened before with you. She says, and I'm telling you, he knows he's not right because he would have called me. He hasn't called me. I said, okay. Praise the Lord. We do, don't we? We lose it. Amen. We get down. We lose it. I say things that I shouldn't say. 
Amen. But the thing of it is, amen, for the most part, we take that and we say, I'm going to be better. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be better. I got a, a little definition coming up I thought was cute. To add to that, patience. Patience is probably one of the most needed virtues of all. And that's true, patience. You just got to wait. Hey, the Bible said all things work together for them that love the Lord, right? The problem is we don't wait for them to work. We only see the situation and we say, oh, we've got to wait for it to work out. It's not done working out. Amen. We've got to wait. All things work to together of them that love the Lord. And we need a little patience. Patience is a, praise God, a virtue. Praise God. I'm not going to say it. Anyways. Patience is a virtue. I'm going to say it. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Always in the... Never in a woman, always in a man. Because you, whichever side you want to do, just swap it, okay? Praise God. I'm going to be honest with you. I think my wife's got more patience than I do, being a mother. Praise God. I think, I think that that's true. A woman has more patience, because she, especially when she's raised children. Than, and I think biologically, God puts more patience in a woman. Amen. But patience. We have to have patience. After all, it's actually one of the uh, one of the characteristics mentioned in Luke twenty one nineteen. In uh, in your patience possess ye your souls. We have to be patient with the Lord. Remember when you're when a situation broadsides you, just remember, Amen. God's not done with it yet. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Praise God. Here's my, here's my little thing. Two frogs fell into a tub of cream. One looked at the high sides of the tub, which were too difficult to crawl over, and said, It is hopeless. So he resigned himself to death, relaxed, and sank to the bottom. The other frog, determined to keep swimming, as long as he could, something might happen, he said. He kept kicking, and he kept churning, and finally he found himself on a solid platform of butter and jumped to safety. Praise God. I walked around the back of a house one time. There was this huge metal pan, and he has this huge stainless steel kitchen back here. It's really nice. And it was full of water and it had this little ground uh, little ground squirrel. And he was just swimming the <laughs> he just swimming the sides of that little metal pan. I mean I walked back there and that pan was just doing and I walked over and I looked in and he did the swimming, 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 trying not to go to the bottom. So I took my finger and I touched the pan and I pushed it up and him and the water went out on that, uh, out on that countertop. <laughs> and he just laid there like, ah. And then he turned and looked at me and took off. Just keep going. God will send somebody your way. Yeah. Praise God. But patience. Patience 
Amen. It's something that we have to have. We have to be patient with God. Man, I'm telling you, God's patient with us. He's patient with us. Look at how patient he is with us. And we're not patient with the Lord. We've just got to trust God with all our own heart. Or trust God with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding. And then he said, upon patience, you got to have godliness. Godliness is, in the Greek, praise God, is God, godliness, of course. It's reverence and respect towards God. How do we reverence God when we get angry with him? When we get angry with God and we tell God, I don't know what you're doing. Praise God. You see, each one of these build on the other. You really need to write these things down and pray this week for these things. But each one of these build on the other. And the reason that you can't have godliness is because you don't have what I've just talked about before that. Somewhere you've lost things like patience. You've lost temperance. You've lost the knowledge, the true knowledge of God. You've lost virtue. Praise God. You've lost those things. Because if you don't reverence God, amen. You know, I'm, I'm just going to give something here, and it's, it's mostly true, but there's something that I've learned, amen, and that is, amen, that if a person doesn't really reverence their father, earthly father, they're not going to reverence God. Now, if you've not had a good father, I understand that. But if you've had a good father and they are selfish and do not reverence their father and will say whatever they want to to their earthly father. I have noticed, I preached one time in a church where a man, I wanted this man to come to the altar and get saved. And it dawned on me the way he treated his father, earthly father. How would I expect him to treat or care about the love and the concern of his earthly father. If a person doesn't care about you and me, they're not going to care about what God thinks or what God is. There are some people that only care about themselves. When you get around them, don't be, don't, don't be upset when they don't care about you because they don't care about anybody. There was a time when I bothered me when people didn't trust me, but I realized they can't trust themselves. So why are they going to trust me? Godliness. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us, James 4 and 8. And then next he says brotherly kindness. You see, the closer you get to God, we're climbing this staircase to God. And we've gone through all these things we've talked about. Now we're talking about brotherly kindness. That is God and his love. God is love. And if we really are close to God, we're going to love everybody else. If we really, amen, realize knowledge that it is not me that's lived this holy life. It's God that's lived it with me. You know the kind of people that's going to get to heaven? This is good. The kind of people that are going to get to heaven is the kind of people that are going to be the kind of people that say, 
it's God that got me here because I got proof for that. Because it says when we walk into the throne of God, we're going to take what glory we've got and we're going to toss it at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to say, it's God that gets me here. The devil came to me one time because I lived in a state of mind that I felt unworthy. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. And that was my state of mind. And I, I, I decided that I was not going to live that. If the one person didn't like me or want me doesn't mean somebody else won't. Okay? And the devil come to me and said, you're not going to make it. First of all, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I said to the devil, I said, you know, I'm going to strike you out. First of all, I said, amen, God's forgiven me for my sins. I said, second of all, it's not me but Christ that liveth within me. And I said, third of all, he's not going to listen to you. Praise God. And that's what you need to do. You need to realize, praise God, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengtheneth me. I can do it. I can go there. I can be that. But when we get up on top of this, this helps us to love our brothers. This helps us to want our brothers to do well. I want Tim to do well. I want Brother Corsi to do well. I want Mike to do well. Praise God. And I'll do everything I can so they do well. Praise the Lord. Because I have brotherly kindness. Love. I want my brothers and my sisters to prosper. Amen. I want them to do well. How can we, the Bible says, how can we love God and hate our brother? 1 John 4 and 20. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. And then last but not least, he says, if you build upon brotherly kindness, you build charity. That word charity in the Greek is agape. It's also used for the word love. It's the kind of love, amen, that is not the kind of love like boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, high school kids love each other. It's the kind of love, praise God, that's a very deep, dedicated love. It's the highest form of love. Such loves does not come naturally to us humans. We can't love like that. Praise God. Only God can love. You can only love like that through the Holy Ghost. It's not a self-centered, self-seeking, self-focused love. It's the kind of love that only the Holy Ghost can give you. When you've got the Holy Ghost, you can love like that. However, the love that God has with, uh, within the hearts of believers, it empowers us by the Spirit to not only love that, but to love others. And last but not least, for us to become mature Christians, the scriptures admonish us to grow up unto him. That is unto Jesus Christ. Growing up, we need to grow. Praise God. You know, a baby is born, it needs to grow. Amen. And as that baby grows, it matures. We have to grow and mature. You have to grow and mature. Praise God. You look around. You know, sometimes as elderly people, we look around and we become impatient with people that are growing in the Lord. We forgot what we're like. Have you ever? Oh, 
Have you ever had someone say, praise the Lord, well, bless God, amen. We weren't like that. Yes, we were. Praise God. One of the reasons, amen, that I did some things in my home was because I knew my biological children would act just like me. <laughs> and so there were some precautions I did in my home because I knew, amen, that they would act just like me and do some stupid stuff. Amen. But learning further, it involves to accept and grow within our individual places in Christ. You know, God has put you in the body of Christ. Every one of you have a place in this church. And if you don't think so, you come see me. I'll tell you what it is. But every one of you have got a place in the church. Every one of us is in the body of Christ. And just like every one of my figures. You know, I don't think much about my big toe, but if I lost it, I'd think a lot about it. Praise God. Every one of us has a place in Christ. You've got a place in him. And you need to just work in that place and mature that place. And no matter what it is, no matter what it is, whatever I am, I am wise when I work what I work the best. God prepared me. God made me. God made me with a purpose. God didn't make me to sit at a desk. God made me to do uh, manual labor. Praise God. And that's what I like doing, and that's what I do. That's what I like pastoring. I like pastoring. I like doing things. Praise God. Each member supplies a particular function to the body. And in the same way, every part of the human body supplies a part. And we are all the part of the body of Christ. Amen. And we need to be there. You need to be in church. Because just being in church service is part of the body. Amen. You be in there. You say, well, I'm just coming and sitting on a pew. No, you're not just sitting on a pew. You are an example. You are part of the body. You are part of the raising. When we come together and we have church, praise the Lord, and you don't show up, then part of the body is missing. And you're needed there. Amen. Praise God. Because you're part of the body. Amen. Don't ever forget it. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Effective, fruitful Christians. I want to be that. You know, you ought to write those down and just look at them this week. I don't know. How many of them is there? Is there? I thought I said how many, but then I forgot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Isn't that great? One for every day of the week. If you start out, amen, tomorrow, by next Sunday, you will have conquered them all. Lord, we love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit. Touch, Lord, and to move and to be with us. Let us depart from this place, but not from your presence. And, God, we're going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?